Fortnite is was the TikTok basically of video games at the time, right? Fortnite blew up. Everybody was playing Fortnite. If you're not playing Fortnite, what are you doing? Hello, and welcome to the Culture Podcast from Arch Rival. Our agency talks to teens and young adults every single day. These conversations, they're fascinating. So much so, we started this podcast to let you in on them. Hey everybody, my name is Clint Runge, founder of Arch Rival. And joining me as always is our senior insight strategist, Julia Peterson. Julia, give everyone a rundown on what you do. Yes, hello there. So like Clint said, I'm an insight strategist, which means I am a part of the insights team at Arch Rival. We are constantly sifting through data to understand what makes different generations tick. We serve those insights back up to our clients so that they can speak to their audience in more relevant ways. It's honestly my favorite part of what we do. Yes, me too. Uh, We have so much to get into today, so we can go ahead and kick it off. First of all, um, there's some interesting things going on in Japan. They are reversing the aging of their country using AI, so definitely want to talk about that craziness. Um, Also, there's kind of this controversial holiday trend that we're seeing surface where influencers are asking for charitable donations, so definitely want to get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I'm sure you saw this, but breakdancing has officially been added to the Olympic roster for the year 2024. Yep, got an opinion on that. Yes. Excited to hear it. Um, Also, there was a YouTuber that was caught in a cheating scandal, um, a gaming YouTuber. So we kind of want to get into the logistics of that as well. And then lastly, we can't not talk about this. Um, Logan Paul will be facing off against Floyd Mayweather in February. Oh, these are this is a great list. And I understand we have an awesome guest today. Yes, we do. I'm so excited to have him. His name is Maz. Um, He is a college student living in New Jersey, and he's become kind of like our gaming correspondent. He's so knowledgeable about this space. So there's so much happening in the gaming sphere right now. We thought we'd have him on and just kind of talk through each of those topics. Awesome. This is amazing. All right. So I think where I want to start is with this of what's happening in Japan. Yes. Okay. So understand this. Um, the population of Japan has been in slowly has been declining, but it's going to take a huge nosedive. So the numbers are that in 2020, there's 127 million people. By 2065, it's going to be at this rate, 88 million. Oh my gosh! So that's an incredible loss of the workforce. And you know who's driving all this are the young adults, yep. millennials, Gen Zs. So I, I, I actually just I, I uncovered this on a, uh, a link I was getting into and, and looking at the research of this. And can I just read this to you? Can I want your reaction to this? Yes. Uh, this is from the research report. Um, the proportion of young Japanese adults who are single, that's unmarried and not in a heterosexual relationship, has increased steadily during the past three decades. In 2015, one in four women and one in three men in their 30s were single. Around half the singles, or one in five women and one in four men, aged 18 to 39 years, reported that they had no interest in romantic relationships with someone. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. And this is something we've kind of seen like emerging globally as well. It's obviously not just Japan. I think that there's uh, probably a couple things factoring into this. I think there's kind of a uh, turn towards focusing on more career things, which obviously means people aren't as interested in getting into a relationship, having a family, all of those kinds of things. I also think that there's definitely a financial implication here, right? Like if people are doing their best to get by trying to, you know, save money, having a family isn't like the most economical thing to do. Um, so I think there's probably a couple things factoring in here. What do you think? Yeah, and, and you're right on because the, the report set, goes on to say that the large the largest proportion of young adults who have lost interest are those who have had trouble financially. Yeah. So 
with their younger adults who aren't making as much money, they're focusing on the career uh, and trying to get ahead. They're just, they're foregoing romantic relationships altogether. So what's happened is that the government is stepping in to try to propel birth rates. They are going to use AI to basically create your profile and you'll input your value systems and the, and the AI will match make you with someone that they believe you will be a good counterpart to so much so that you'll want to have kids. Is that crazy? Oh my gosh. So it's like their government made a Tinder. Yeah, they made a Tinder. And it's just like going yeah. for it. I, th- this is this is mind-blowing because here's the thing. Japan always seems to be ahead of it. I think yep. here in the U.S., you're seeing the average age of people get married, have kids. It's going up, 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 and up, up until such point there'll be a turn. And then what happens? Someone's got to step in and, um, you know, AI seems to be stepping into every other field. Why not also matchmaking? I think this is actually going to be a huge thing for young adults in the next 10 years. You think so? I'm trying to think like, I wish I could hear someone's reaction in Japan because I'm like, I don't know how I would feel like, are people like, yeah, cool. I'll get on that platform. Or are they like, what in the heck? I think at first it's like, sounded like internet dating and everyone was like, oh my gosh, you found a date on the internet. Oh my gosh. And then 10 years later, totally normal. And look, Japan is always ahead when it comes to these things. They're always leading, right? I mean, they were leading the genderless movement before we had it, right? So I think it seems weird now 10 years from now, it's going to be like, uh, it might just be normal. It's like, actually, the machine is able to pick a better mate for me than I am. Why would I sift through manually hundreds, thousands of profiles? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing. That's why I'm on this on this platform anyway. I'm not good at dating. You know what? Let the AI do it. Take, take all that work out of it and just put me with someone that you know or you believe that I would be a great fit for. It actually sounds pretty great. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> I made it sexy, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me ask you about this. So I, I, you had put this down, that there's, there's this controversial holiday microtrend that's happening. Tell, tell our listeners about that. Yes. So we're seeing influencers on different platforms um, get on there, and especially because it's the holiday season right now. Everyone's kind of in this giving mind, um, saying, if you Venmo me personally, I will then make a charitable donation. Some people are saying two different organizations. Some people are saying, like, directly back to my followers, Like some people are saying, is there anyone out there that can't pay rent this month? I would love to make this charitable donation to you. So it's like this interesting crowdsource thing that's happening where um, followers are kind of helping out followers, but they're doing it through the gatekeeper of this influencer. And obviously with that comes all of these questions and scrutiny. How do I know the influencer is actually using that money for what they said they were going to? What's kind of the Mm -hmm. checks and balance here? So I don't know. It's a really interesting thing happening in this space. Well, and- you know, we've followed this idea of platform privilege for a couple of years here where we're expecting more out of our popular stars and the people that we follow. And so if you have amassed this entire, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, then it's important that you do something good with it, right? That's now the new expectation. And so you might find that these influencers are like, I don't know what else to do, but I guess I can help people, right? I can gather, I can collect money, I, have a, I can do that and find ways to give it out. I imagine that a bulk of them are probably doing it um, because they feel the pressure to do something good on this platform privilege idea. And there's some who legitimately probably built their fame based on being uh, this this kind of person. So I can see a conflict here. We've, we're asking our influencers, our very popular influencers, to do something good. And then as soon as they do it, we don't trust their... Uh, their judgment. Right. Well, and when you think about it too, these people, oftentimes what we see happen is they have a specific 
thing that they want to raise money for. They have a goal. And then sometimes their followers just flood whatever that platform is and give way more than they anticipated. And these people aren't used to dealing with like this high amount of money and knowing kind of what comes along with that. And so there's just so many moving parts to it. I think it's really, in- excuse me, interesting. Yeah. And there's legal implications too. I exactly. mean, there's all sorts of traps that happen when you're dealing with giving money and tax implications and things like that. Yeah. I'm sure they're getting overwhelmed. It's like jumping into a business that they're not prepared for. Right. So yeah, I, there's probably actually a great business opportunity for someone to step in and just like handle all of this for influencers. Probably a great startup company could do this uh, because I you, you can understand that young adults, the teens that we talk to, they want to find ways to help out. And even if it's giving a few bucks here or there, they, all, they don't trust other big charities, uh, entities, especially government organizations already. Exactly. So how do I help? Where do I go? Uh, I listen to my influencer for what I wear for makeup. Why wouldn't I also trust them on where my money is best spent? Uh, in charity. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you about because I know that you said you saw that breakdancing has been added to the Olympics and you were really excited to talk about this. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm only excited about it because I think it's kind of lame. Right? <laughs> now, it just feels like this should have been done 24 years ago. Okay. So the whole reason the Olympics are adding, adding breakdancing is because they're seeing a decline in viewership and participation. And they're looking, going, we need to get younger viewers involved. And it's like, you can imagine the old people in the room thinking, well, what do kids like exactly. these days? They like, they're, they're into break dancing, right? And so like somehow this got passed when uh, the, the break dancing, it's, I mean, dancing itself is huge, but it just feels like calling it break dancing and not making it a more open, creative platform uh, actually totally misses Gen Z in this moment. Uh, I'm just that, that that was my that was my take on that. I know. I was thinking exactly the same thing, like imagining people kind of trying to discuss what do we think the kids are into these days? And that's the topic that they came up with. But I also know that I mean, we've explored this for a while now. We do see these like very niche pockets of interest where Gen Z likes to get into something that's a bit, you know, on the fringe, something that's a little bit um, less mainstream. And so I do think it will be interesting, like what community kind of crops up around this um, if we see something happen like that. But yeah, I don't know. I love, I love dance and dance as sport. I think that's actually really great. I just think that narrowing it, narrowing it down to break dancing just kind of misses the idea of what Gen Z is all about. If you yeah. want to get younger, you know, let them come in and create new types of dances, push the boundaries of what dance is, let their artistry and creativity and innovation come to dance as a sport instead of kind of saying, oh, it's just this one kind of dance. And, you know, there's limitations around what, what we're going to accept as, you know, the, 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 the maneuvers of, of dancing. Like it just feels totally boxed in at a time when you're just you're boxing it around the wrong thing. You should be boxing it around creativity and innovation of dance and not a style of dance. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So Logan Paul versus Floyd Money Mayweather. This is happening, right? It is happening on February 20th of 2021. It's going down. Tell me if you will watch this. I don't think so. <laughs> Here's the thing. (laughs) I have no desire to watch this. I'll be completely honest with you. Zero interest. But why? That shocks me. Yeah. I mean, boxing isn't really my thing, number one. Number two, 
I'm, I'm not like, I don't know very much about, I mean, I know about Logan Paul as a cultural figure, but I'm, I'm not at all like a fan of his or anything like that. So there's no incentive for me to really to watch, except that I think it will be a cultural moment. And okay. So see, kind that's of why I thought you would watch. Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. I thought you would watch. That's if you're why I'm in like, for the cultural moment, you don't care about the sport, but is this even sport at this point? We have YouTubers taking on some of the best boxers in the world and, um, you know, people are tuning in. I, this, this floors me. Logan Paul is a YouTuber. Yes. And he's fighting the fights that people spend their entire careers wanting to get to and making the money that professional boxers wish they could sniff. Yep. And he's done it because he's an influencer, right? Yeah. But this is so classic, like Gen Z mentality on there, there are no boundaries. There are no borders. If I am doing something over here in this creative field, there's nothing stopping me from going over into an totally. entirely different field and trying something out. That's just kind of how they operate. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that it's happening, but I like, especially for someone like Floyd Mayweather, who is like that more traditional athlete yep. who has worked his entire life for that. It's just an interesting kind of like juxtaposition, I think. For, for the last few years, when I go around do my state of youth culture talk, um, there's a few industries that I call out that are just ripe for disruption. Mm. Things like higher education, things like that. And actually, we've seen that. And boxing is one of them. Really? Because boxing is, is it's still guarded by the old guard. It still is, um, it's still keep keeping to its traditions and holding on. And instead of opening it up and letting new form, letting it take on new forms of entertainment. So someone else, I mean, this isn't by the, you know, the boxing organizations. Uh, this is someone else basically stealing the limelight from them. And you saw this cropping up um, earlier from, from fighters from the UFC coming over. So I think that boxing is just sitting there going, you know, what's, you know, they're sitting there holding on to tradition and they're missing what's happening is that there's a new generation of entertainment that people are willing to watch, but you're not going there. Uh, it just, it feels ripe for disruption and here we're having it. It's actually being disrupted. I totally agree. I kind of feel that way about professional sports in general, actually. Like there's something about the progression of how you get to become a professional athlete in those very mainstream sports like football that still feels mm -hmm. like a little bit old school to me. You have to play your high school ball. You have to play your club ball. You go on to play at a D1 yep. university and then you can get into the professional space. Like there's something about that perfect progression that feels very not up to date with, I think, the way, the way that the rest of industry moves. Yep. And you're seeing that happen right now. The NBA seems to be leading that. Yes. So totally. The, you, you, you may, you don't, you no longer have to go through the, the one and done, the go, go to a, a renowned university and play for a year to get the NBA. There's other routes to get there. And, and I think they're just getting ahead of what was already going to happen. If they didn't do it, someone else was going to start a league and beat them to it. Totally. So, um, you know, I feel like I, I, baseball is another one that's just ripe for disruption. Yep. People have been banging that drum for years. And I think they've been able to hold on. But now, um, and I know baseball has seen a surge in popularity um, recently, but with young adults, uh, boy, you better, you better change that game. Okay. Anyway, so, okay. One more thing I want to ask you about before we get to our guest. This YouTuber that was caught cheating drama let's hear it yes so this youtuber um he calls himself dream he's like the most followed 
gaming YouTuber on the platform. Okay. He's got 14 million subscribers. Um, he was, he's what they call like a speed runner. So these people that play games as fast as they possibly yeah. can. Um, he was doing this for Minecraft and there were actually a bunch of other YouTubers and kind of people in this space who came out and said, we're like crunching the numbers back here. And it's highly unlikely that he's actually doing this as quickly as he's saying he's doing it. Um, and of course, since then, it's been like this back and forth. He's on Twitter tweeting up a storm about how these people are just trying to, you know, take down his reputation and they're just trying to get their own views. Um, and other people are saying, no, this is like very much a science and we're saying it's probably not possible. Um, but I think it's really interesting when you think about like, the space that we're in where these people are kind of not authority figures, but like definitely very loud voices in this space. They're all kind of on the same level. So how are you supposed to know like who to trust here when both are kind of expressing their own thoughts and, and views? Like what do you do in that space when you don't really necessarily know who to believe? So yeah, this, this is the new trust and think something we've been talking about for a while. And I think this next year is always, it's all going to be about, the new trust. Totally. Who do you trust in this world? Now, I have two questions for you on this. Uh, number one, why would someone who's already a very popular YouTube YouTuber or uh, gamer, be, why why would you cheat? What would be the incentive here? I mean, I think you just have to keep pushing the envelope, right? Like there's, there's so much content on YouTube and there's so much of this content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not on the top, why are people going to watch your video? There's so many other things that they could watch. And so it's like this climb to trying to get as many eyeballs as you can on your content. So I could kind of see. Yeah. Yeah. It's making me start to think about where the end is for influencers. Totally. Like, um, because there's such pressure and then you amass these huge followings and there's always like more and more and more next, next, next. And we've been a part of the climb here for the last five years it, it, do we hit a peak, you know? And what happens when people have to start going to extre ex extremities to like push it even further? I mean, you see this happening like in Wall Street and then there's a big collapse. You see, you know, I just wonder if there's going to be a collapse coming if we start to see have a bunch of influencers cheat, have scandals. Like we've seen this kind of percolating, it seems like a little here, a little there. Um, I can kind of see a dangerous, uh, dangerous route here. This could take. I know. Well, and when you think about kind of why this space emerged in the first place, it was supposed to be very like, very grounded. These are our, our real people, the people that we're yeah. kind of supporting and pushing them to the top. It was supposed to be very like ground up. And now that we're seeing these people are at the top and having to cheat to kind of stay there. I feel like once again, we're going to come back to that new trust and it, it's going to, there's going to be some disruption there for sure. Okay, and my second question for you is, do you believe him or the reviewers? Yeah, I think, well, my data brain says, like, I have to trust the numbers here. And I think it's something like he has a one in seven trillion <laughs> chance of actually doing what he's saying he's doing. So I have a really hard time believing that that's actually happening. What do you think, Clint? No, but someone, someone wins the lottery, right? I mean, there's one in a million chances someone wins it, right? Now, you know, maybe that's why it's... Well, I think uh, that's why maybe his, he goes by a dream, right? And you dream a little here. Imagine point. what if. I mean, so yeah. the, the follow-up question is, do you think this whole controversy will net him followers or will he lose followers? I think he'll lose followers. Like, especially in this community when it's, 
it is so much about personality and so much about kind of like who this person is that you're, you're giving your time to and watching their content. It's also about what they're actually doing. And especially since he's known as kind of the best. And then it comes out that mm-hmm. he's not what he says he is. I feel like he's going to lose some people. I'm not sure how it happens, but every time I think that it goes the opposite. That's true. So we will see. In fact, actually, this might be a great topic to bring up with our guests. Julia, tell us who we have on the line today. Yeah, we have Maz on the line today. Maz, how's it going? Good. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm so glad to have you here. We have a lot of questions for you today. There's a lot going on. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Um, Okay, so first of all, we were just talking about the dream cheating scandal. So are you familiar with kind of what's going on there? Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. Not too much, but um, the part that I heard about it was actually quite interesting and the whole kind of shebang of what happened. Yeah. Okay, I was, so like, I'm... On, I was scrolling on Twitter and I kind of read like a couple of different opinions on it. So. Okay, I want to hear your opinion. Okay, so what he did was obviously wrong and he shouldn't have cheated. But there's a big YouTuber named by the name of FaZe Jarvis who happened the same scandal with Fortnite and he like deliberately posted a YouTube video saying he's using aimbot. So it's similar where that kid, right, blew up because of Fortnite, same way as Dream blew up from uh from Minecraft. So if FaZe Jarvis is still around and he's still mainstream, like now like it's a meme, so like every time he's out and about he'd be like, Oh yeah, I cheated in Fortnite or whatever. You know, I think Dream should take the same approach because he is a good content creator i don't think he deserves to uh, lose many followers from he probably will you know it's like people who are like oh he cheated i'm gonna unfollow but i don't think the damage will be as big as like it seems it's not really like a huge thing at this point it's minecraft as well i was just gonna ask that because do you think like the audience for minecraft is going to be different than the audience for fortnite like will they react differently you think well Here's okay, so there's two perspectives on it, right? So, Minecraft is not competitive as Fortnite, right? Minecraft is like fun, and there's people all the time creating mods, cheats, everything that you can like do to just make the game more fun, right? Because sometimes just playing the old game, old the regular old game is not that fun. So, Fortnite is a lot of competition, there's a lot of money on the line. So, when there's a cheater that comes around, Epic, the people who created Fortnite, expect to punish them heavily. So I don't think it should be as bad as it would for Fortnite at all. So you're saying even more so it should probably not matter Yeah. to the people uh, that love Dream. Exactly. Because okay. honestly, people are people can get probably that same content anywhere, but it's clearly something about him that makes it different. Um, okay. We have to ask you about Cyberpunk. <laughs> have you played it? Uh, right before this uh, really? recording, I was... Literally finishing a mission. That's probably why I texted you. Uh, give me one sec. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? So I just, I waited the first two days, right? To, before I bought the game. Because I I heard that in early game develop like reviewers were saying there was bugs and so many bugs in the game that it was just ruining the game. The last gen consoles got absolutely like destroyed. There was, it was so many game breaking bugs that people couldn't enjoy the game. So thankfully I had my PC and I got on PC because I didn't hear as many because Cyberpunk released a statement saying they focused more on PC and next-gen consoles over old-gen consoles, which kind of makes sense. But when you're in Cyberpunk's point of view, you have to understand that not many people got their hands on on that new console. 
So a majority of your players will be coming from old gen consoles. So you got to play it somewhat. You got to make it somewhat playable. You know, I definitely agree with anyone who says it should not have been released so quickly. One of the aspects of this game that I feel like people can't stop talking about is like the ability to hyper customize your character. And so I want to get like your thoughts on that. I'm I'm like overwhelmed, honestly. I, yeah. I don't know where to begin. Like there's so much to it, you know what I'm saying? Like I come from a person who's very into like FPS shooters, simple or right, get your gun, put your attachments, whatever, blah 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 blah. But you go down to like the mind of a human, which is honestly their biggest selling point over any other game. A lot of a lot of companies can make all right, yeah, this open world game, you know, you have a story, you can walk through it, blah blah blah. You have the whole, you know, like, you can choose your adventure, right? Because you have, like, multiple different chat logs and all these kinds of things, right? Because, like, a lot of companies are doing that with their campaigns and stories. But it's this ability to be able to trick out everything. So many, so many combinations that you can make. Okay, so when you're customizing your character, because I know it's even, like, physical features of, of the character and everything like that. Are you trying to make your character, forgive me if this is, like, a, a dumb question, but are you trying to make your character more like you or are you just like i don't know kind of dreaming and having fun with it 100 percent not gonna make anything like me like yeah that's just boring (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying i want to become the craziest version of a person you can possibly think of like i gave my guy a cyan blue hair with like a crazy funky look like he had like a beard with like a braid on his chin beard that's like green it's it's all literally just for fun. Like, I, I love that. I'm so into like kind of making complete opposite of like myself. Who do you think this game is for, Maz? Like, who do you think is their target audience? Who should be playing this game? Okay, I'll be real. You can customize down to the genitalia of a person in this game, right? So when people see this, they automatically assume, all right, it should be people who's 18 and up. But let's be real. When I was in middle school, I was playing GTA 5. It's so hard to say, like, oh, only older people should be playing this game. Because we all know that, like, middle schoolers and, like, high schoolers, they know what's going on. They know the deal. You know, like, if they play this game, it's not going to be like, oh, my God. You know? Like, Mm -hmm. I literally remember the first time I asked my mom for GTA 5. And I had to go to the GameStop to get it. And when you get a game that's like 17 and up, right, with your parent, the GameStop employee has to tell your parents what's in the game. So I was just like, oh, please. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they, they have to because it's like, you know, like there's new, like there's all that kind of stuff in it, you know, yeah. like really bad stuff. So I was just like, please. My mom, my mom's English wasn't too good, so I'm just like, please, just misunderstand him and not understand <laughs> what he's saying. Everyone has GTA Five, mom. Everyone has it. I need GTA Five. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god. And then she just plays the card. If I catch you by these bad areas or whatever, you know, like every. I remember all of my friends were like. Oh my god, like did you see what's in GTA 5? Like we got to go there. And then you go there one time and then you're just like, ah, whatever." Well, thanks so much, Maz. I really appreciate you being on. Always great to hear your perspective. Of course. Especially when it comes to gaming, it's like we said before, it's my passion, so it's fun to talk Love about. Love it. Thank you for having me.
Well, big thanks to Mads for being on today. Offered some great perspective. That was awesome. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, huh? I love having him on. Uh, we need to have him back. All right. So, hey, I think I'm ready to start streaming. What do you think? Yeah. Me on Twitch? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah? Okay. I can see it. All right, maybe, maybe, you know, the holiday break is coming up. Maybe I'll get on there. Yeah, throw some just things give it out. a shot. Okay. All right, well, we covered a ton today. Uh, there's actually a couple other things, but we're just going to push it to next time. Before we go, as we do, let's have a prediction for what Zs are going to be talking about next week. You go first. Oh, well, I feel like there's so much drama unfolding with the transition to the new president in the White House. And it's just going to continue as we get closer to January. So that's what I think people are going to be talking about the most. Mm. Wow. We really took different takes (laughs) on this. My prediction is people are going to be loving how badass Wonder Woman is. Like that's where I think people are going to be. I think that's what people are going to be praising. Uh, I think the timing is right. It's Christmas. It's empowerment. It's like all these things coming together. I think people are going to be loving it. I think it's going to be a great show. I like that one better. Let's hope that happens. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, well, we'll see if we're right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll be right. Maybe it'll be a sad <laughs> political Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's it for today. Thanks to Julia and to Maz and to all the people we've been talking to the last couple of weeks that helped put this show together. If you want to find more in-depth articles from our Insights team, you can find those online at artrival.com. I'm Clint Rungi, along with Julia Peterson. Hey, thanks for taking some time of your day to listen to our show. And if you liked it, why not share it? It's the holiday season. Give it out. It's free. Love it. All right. Well, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.